So this is part four of our series we're calling You Asked For It. And uh, we, we started this uh, back on Easter. We did a survey, and we asked you to give us some feedback. Help us to know what we can be teaching on. What would be helpful for your life? What are you going through? What do you want to know? And so we call it You Asked For It because we take the top responses and we teach on those. So last week we talked on five family essentials that really are good for any relationship, but five things you need in life for any good relationship. And then next week we're tackling the fifth most asked question, which is how do I change? Like how do I get out of a spiritual rut? That's next week. And today is, is number four. It is forgiveness. Somebody say, oh me. Right, because that forgiveness is a it's a tough topic, and I'm just going to warn you ahead of time. There probably isn't going to be a lot of laughter today. <laughs> like I, I like to make people laugh, but pro- probably not going to happen a whole lot because it's it's serious. And I feel like the Lord is going to do something in this place that, that changes us, and we leave different in Jesus' name. But here's the thing: I uh, I was kind of surprised by this topic of forgiveness because I had just taught about forgiveness back in February and I thought am I not am I not am I not preaching good like is there a disconnect am am I not hitting the mark what's the deal but really I feel like the reason why we need to talk about forgiveness today is because there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain associated with what happened in the past and it becomes hard to forgive and hard to let go can I get a witness yeah it really is like that. And, and I want you to know that this is a real issue that we all struggle with, we all deal with, and there's nobody here who's saying, oh, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to forgive anybody. We're all, there's somebody uh, in our lives. It's, it's kind of like this. You, you either have had to forgive somebody in the past, you need to forgive them now, or you're going to have to forgive somebody in the future. It's always, we're always in that cycle. So here's what I can't do for you today. What I'm not going to do for you today is is like give you an out, all right? So we, we kind of get at this place of infor- unforgiveness. It's a progression that takes us to this place of unforgiveness where we say, you know what? I just give up. I don't care anymore. Have you ever said that before? I just don't care. Like I said it about my football team last year. Like, hey, I just don't care. Tennessee Vols, God, oh, man, come on. I, I give up on you. Some of you are like that too, right? You gave up on your team. And we get to this place where we say, I just... I don't care. And the fact that you're saying you don't care is actually proof enough to know that you do care. You still care. So what I'm not going to do is give you an out. I'm not going to show you a way to just get that other person out of your life where you never have to deal with them again. Come on, somebody. That's not the plan. It's a little bit deeper than that. What I can do is tell you what the Bible says. And I can point you to Scripture. And, and it's going to be some times in today's message where you think, I can't do it. I, I, I can't forgive him. I can't let her go. I can't, I can't just forget what happened. And you're right. You can't do that on your own. And that's why you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Like, as you draw closer to God, he's going to give you power to do things that you thought you couldn't do. That's the beauty of it. And it takes faith. So the first thing I want to do today is give you a progression. I want to give you a progression of forgiveness. How do we end up in this place where we say, I don't care. I'm done. I quit. And so this, I think this is going to help you out. Number one, 
the, the first thing that happens is there's a distance that's created. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. There's a distance. Something happened that caused there to be, like, it caused you to pull away from the relationship. You said, hey, I don't know about this. Something was said, something, uh, a trust was broken, an offense caused separation. Maybe there was an argument that took place and you just, you, you just, you said, hey, I'm done. I quit. You know what they say about arguments is that women always win the last word. Did you know that? And it's true because, because anything a man says after that point is the beginning of a new argument, right? Oh, y'all didn't laugh. It's going to be a long day. I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm glad you did laugh, right? I'm glad you laughed. It, it, it's, uh, it's hard to find humor sometimes in a topic like this. But here's the truth. Things happen, and, and we allow distance to separate us. And, and after the offense happens, we start building up walls. That's number two. We start building up walls. That's the second part of the progression. And these walls keep people from hurting us. And we say, no, man, I'm, I'm not going to let you do that to me again. We start building walls. And these walls keep the bad things out, but they also keep the good things out. These walls that you build to keep people from hurting you also keep people from blessing you. And they also keep God from being able to do some things in your life. But you say, you burned me once, shame on you. You burned me twice, shame on me. You know what I mean? Shame on me. Like, Hey, we've all said that before. I am not going to let that happen again. So we build up walls that isolate us and keep us from receiving God's blessing along with relationships that would really do us some good. And then that leads us to escalation. And this is where it starts to get out of control. And there's some one-liners here that I'm going to give you that I, I just think, man, this is so good. Like, like this is going to help somebody today. But when escalation happens, you, you make the situation bigger than the situation. Let me say it this way. You major on minors. You make big things out of small things. And I've seen this for years. I've seen families fight over the silliest of things. And I go, man, what, why are you fighting over that? Like, what's the big deal? Why, why is this such a problem? And even sometimes, I don't counsel a lot of people, but I'll sit down with people and, over coffee and I go, you're fighting over what? Like, that's silly. It's crazy what we allow to escalate. And you start saying things and doing things that belittle the other person. I've seen this in my own family. In my my dad's side of the family, he was from Central Florida, Volusia County, DeLand. And uh, before he passed away, when I was about five or six, we went to Florida one summer to spend, spend the summer with the family, spend some time down there. And while we were there, we had a water balloon fight. Everybody's had a water balloon fight, right? It's fun, especially in that Central Florida heat. It's fun to just Get wet and have fun. Well, my brother, my older brother Dwayne, took a, a water balloon, threw it at my cousin who was my age, and it hit him square in the face. I mean, nailed him. He starts crying. My uncle Andrew comes to the rescue, and he's getting in my brother's face. He's like, you know, eight maybe. And then it starts getting in my dad's face, and I'm, I'm telling you, 
they had their words. They said their things. We packed our bags. And dad left. We, we left. We drove back to East Tennessee. And my dad died without ever speaking to Uncle Andrew again. Maybe I should say Uncle Andrew never spoke to my dad again. It was just this, this over a water balloon fight, y'all. Over a balloon filled with water and an accident. And they never spoke again. And my, th- this was a deep-rooted issue in that side of the family. I could go on telling you story after story over silly things that they would fight about. And maybe you can think of something like that. It's because it escalated out of control. And if you don't confront the issue, if you don't resolve the conflict quickly, the enemy's going to start playing with your mind, and, and it's going to lead you to a place of false belief where you start to believe things that were never said. You start to believe things that were never done. In fact, when you, when you retell the story to other people, you add little things that never even happened. Come on. Like you start believing these things, that, that, these lies of the enemy. Did you, did you know that the enemy's native language, the only language the devil can talk is lies? It's deception. And, and he says things like, you could never have trusted him in the first place. It's a lie. And he says things to you like, like you never really loved him. Like, you knew it would never work when you were dating her. Right? He, he begins to lie, say things, I don't know why you really ever believed she could change. Your sister's always been that way. And you, you begin to believe these lies. And can I tell you that when you are hurting you're the last person on earth that you need to be listening to. Because you, have, because you built walls in your life, you isolated yourself from everybody else. There's nobody else for you to receive advice from because you shut everybody else out. And you, you get to this point where, where nobody can speak into your life because you've isolated yourself. And I just want to tell you, you can't trust yourself when you're offended. You can't. And then that leads you to a place of hostility. This is where you completely shut the other person out. There is no relationship. Bitterness sets in. There's only opposition. It's my way or nobody else's way. We can never see eye to eye. We can never have a a relationship moving forward. And I'm convinced what happens is it's no longer the condition toward the other person. It's no longer about the other person. It becomes a condition of your soul and it affects how you treat other people and it affects how you live and it affects what you believe and it affects everything about your life and you have no peace and you have no joy and then you take an Easter survey and you ask for it. I need help to forgive. Come on. This is, this is the progression of unforgiveness. It's how we get to this point in our lives where we say, I can't do it anymore. So this might not be an epiphany for you. Maybe, maybe this list doesn't blow you away. You're like, yeah, man, I got that. Of course, this makes total sense. Like, yeah, let's move on. But this isn't just a list. It's not just a progression of how, of, of how you got to a place of unforgiveness. It's actually, it's actually the condition of who you were before you met Jesus. You were distant. You'd built up walls, escalating, 
to false beliefs and hostile. This is who we were before we met God. And I'll show it to you in Ephesians chapter 2. It says it this way. It says, remember. Now, he would only tell us to remember if we had forgotten. And I think that many of us have forgotten who we were before Jesus. Can I get a witness? Is this the, is this the first church of the, the, the frozen chosen? Come on. This, no, we... We gotta remember, but we gotta remember who we were before Jesus came around. Remember, have you ever told somebody before, hey, remember that time? Remember when you said, Paul says, hey, remember when you were separate from Christ? Remember that time that, that you built up walls? Remember that time that you were distant? You were without hope and without God in the world? No, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, you've been brought near. How? Through the blood of Christ. You've been brought near, not because you were good enough. Not because you did everything just right. Not because you got close with the pastor and he sprinkled holy water on your whatever. Or like you got baptized. Not even because you got baptized, y'all. Like only through the blood of Jesus is, is how you've been brought near. And he goes on to say, for he himself is our peace. Who? Jesus is our peace. And I love this part. He made the two one. He made those two that were bickering back and forth, and they were, they were separate, and they were isolated. He brought them together. He destroyed the barrier. What, de- what barrier? The dividing wall of hostility. That's what Jesus has done for you. Yeah, come on. Let's give God praise for that. Let's give him thanks for that. This is who we were, but now there's a response. Like, we don't just go, oh, thank you, Jesus. No, now because we know Jesus, there's a response. For, for every action, there's an equal reaction, right? For what God did for us, for what Jesus has done for us, now we have a response. And that response is in chapter 4, to get rid of all the bitterness. Oh, Ben, let me check your translation, because I'm not sure. Is that in the Bible? Because I don't know. That sounds, that sounds tough, man. Get rid of bitterness? Yes. Get rid of the rage and anger. The brawling, the slander, the, the, every form of malice. Just get rid of it and be kind and compassionate. Oh, man. To who? Who, who? who am I supposed to be compassionate to? To one another. Forgiving each other. Say these next two words. Just as. You mean I'm supposed to forgive them? But you don't know what he did. Forgive each other just as. In Christ. God has forgiven you. So what I want to do today is I want to show you, like, if, if we're going to forgive just as Christ has forgiven, we know, we know the progression now of how we get to a place of unforgiveness. The next thing we need to know is what forgiveness is not, because I think we have a lot of misconceptions about forgiveness. We, we make excuses. We use these misconceptions as excuses or reasons why I can't forgive. I can't let go. And I, w- I want to just kind of, I-, I-, I want to dispel some of that. I, I want to shine some light on that before I give you principles about forgiveness. So forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. Forgiveness is not saying what happened to you was okay. I need you to know that. It's not saying, oh, I'm all right. It it really didn't hurt. It's not that big of a deal. No, it was a big deal. It did hurt. It was wrong. It's not okay. It's not okay. 
That, that, we, you need to know that. It's not minimizing what happened to you. The, that harm that happened to you does not reflect the heart of Jesus Christ for your life. But what happens is we end up choosing not to forgive somebody because, well, if I forgive them, then that just excuses their behavior. No, it doesn't. It's not about them anymore. It's not about that. It's about what's going on in your heart. So forgiveness isn't minimizing the offense. Number two, it's, it's not forgetting what happened. You're going to remember what happened, probably, unless a miracle happens. You're going to remember it for the rest of your life. It's going to stay with you. But, but here's the beauty. See, God, what God wants to do is he wants to bring healing in your life. So that when you do remember what happened to you, what was said, you can, you can remember those things without reliving the hurt and the pain it used to cause. Come on, somebody. That's what God wants to do. <laughs> Forgiveness isn't forgetting what happened. God wants to make everything new in your life. He wants to bring freedom in your life. Number three, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Well, I'll tell you what. The day he comes crawling back on his hands and knees. And he's got sweat pouring out of his brow, tears in his eyes. And that sorry son of a gun gets down right here in front of me and tells me he's sorry. I'll forgive him. Newsflash, it ain't going to happen. He's not coming back. He's not going to forgive. Like He's not going to do that. And so we, we, we think that forgiveness is reconciliation, that maybe we got to be best buds again, or they, they've got to somehow, they've got to somehow, you know, like crawl back and ask for the forgiveness. But I, I just want to tell you, I think God understands that sometimes reconciliation may not be the best. It's not, it's not the best choice. And if you go try to reconcile before the time is right, you may end up only with more hurt and more pain and more disappointment. Forgiveness isn't reconciliation. Forgiveness is also not fair. Mm. This is good, y'all. See, life isn't fair. Miss Job, my fifth grade teacher, used to tell me that. Miss Job, I don't want to do that. It's not fair. Life's not fair, Ben. Oh. I heard that. If I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times. Life isn't fair. And it doesn't seem fair or right to let somebody off the hook for something they did to us. It's not fair, God. When we say things like, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Like, like they need to pay for what they did. And I just want to remind you that God doesn't hand out forgiveness based on merit. God doesn't use fairness logic, and I'm thankful for that. Because what I deserved, I didn't get. And instead of fairness logic, he gives us grace and mercy. Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve, and mercy is when he doesn't give us what we do deserve. See, what we deserved was death and hell and punishment. But instead, he gives us mercy. He gives us love. He gives us forgiveness. And, and I'm telling you today that if you're going to make somebody else pay for their wrong, you need to be ready to pay for your wrong. If you're going to make somebody else pay for their wrong, you need to be ready to pay for your wrong. And number five, the, the last thing that forgiveness is not, is it's not possible. 
without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. He is the accelerating factor, y'all. He, he makes, listen, we cannot do it on our own. Like we can take some steps, and, but I'm telling you, through, you can't do it on your own, but through Christ you can do all things because he gives you the strength. There's a lot of great programs and self-help things that you can do, but I'm telling you it's the power of the Holy Spirit that accelerates it times one million in your life. And you may feel like, I can't do this on your own. You're right, you need the Holy Spirit. You need his power. And forgiveness does not turn you into a doormat for you to just continually be hurt over and over again. What it does is it turns you into a victor. You become victorious when you learn how to forgive. Can I get a witness today? Amen. So we know what forgiveness is not now. We know it's not those things, but let me, let me give you a definition of what forgiveness is, and this came from one of my friends, Tom Watson. We were, we were on staff together at a church back in Alabama, and he says forgiveness is... Giving up your right to get even no matter what has been done to you. In other words, I surrender my right to hurt you back. I'm not going to make you pay for what you did. You're not, I'm not going to make you pay a price for hurting me. That's what forgiveness is. And I want, I want to wrap up today by giving you three principles that I think you've got to buy into if you're going to walk in forgiveness, if you're going to experience this in your own life, three principles that you have to buy into. If you're going to forgive as Jesus forgave, these three things are a must. You've got to do this. And two of them you're going to hate. Can I just tell you? You're not going to like it. It's going to set you up for it. Just be ready. Number one, To receive forgiveness, you've got to receive God's forgiveness. To forgive somebody else, you have to receive God's forgiveness. This is step one. This is the basic thing. Like, you can't forgive. You can't do step two and three if you haven't received God's forgiveness. And you might be thinking, dude, I got this. We're good. Man, let's go into number two. I'm I'm good. I don't don't need to worry about this. But I want to remind you that you'll never have to forgive somebody more than God will have to forgive you. And I want to remind you, you can't earn his forgiveness. There is nothing you can do to cause God to love you more or to love you less. God has unconditional love for you. I call it, he loves you for no good reason. You didn't do anything good to cause God to go, look at that, I love you now. He just loves you. In, in all of your sin and all of your mess and everything that you've done in life, he loves you the same. You did nothing good to deserve it. And that's the good news. That's what's so good about it. He loves you for no good reason. Forgiveness is received, not earned. You, you, can't, you can't earn your way there. And here's the thing. If you live your life trying to earn God's forgiveness, you will also try to make other people earn your forgiveness. I'll say that again. If you live your life trying to earn God's forgiveness, you will also live your life trying to make other people earn your forgiveness. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says it this way, that, that it's by grace that you've been saved. Through faith. Like, like you, not of yourselves, you didn't do anything to earn it. You didn't deserve it. It's a gift of who? 
God. Not by works so that nobody can boast. It's, it's not by works so that you can't stand up here and go, look what I did. Look how I saved myself. Look at, what, look at the things that I've done in my own life. No, it's only by the grace of God that we've been saved. It's only by His grace. And when you have received the forgiveness of God, here's what it looks like in Isaiah chapter, chapter um, 1. It says this. Hey, let's, let's reason together. Let's settle this. Settle what? The fact that you can't earn your salvation. Like that you just got to receive it. Though your sins are like scarlet, I'm, I'm going to make them white as snow. And, and though they are red like crimson, the old nasty crimson tide, we're going to wash them white as snow. We're going to wash them, make them white as snow. How? If you'll obey me. Hey, just receive it. Just just take it. Just receive the forgiveness that I have for you today. And listen, you can't do these next two if you haven't done number one. If you haven't received his forgiveness, you can't, number two, freely give if you haven't freely received. So, so if you're going to walk in forgiveness, you've got to freely give what you have freely received. Remember, you didn't earn it. So the call here is to, to do for others what Jesus did for us. Matthew 1.8 says it this way. It says, freely you have received. Now what? Freely give? Don't, hold, don't withhold it from somebody else. Freely give it to somebody else. And Jesus didn't make you earn. He, he, didn't, he didn't make you pay for your own sin. So listen to me. Don't try to make somebody else pay for theirs. He freely gave his life for you. You have freely received this forgiveness. Now freely give it. And this ought to be our motto as Christians. When people look at the church, when people who don't come to church see the church, they ought to go, man, those are the most loving and, and, and caring and compassionate people. Those are the most forgiving people. But no, they don't do that. What they say, by and large, is they are the most judgmental people on the planet. Reality check, y'all. That's what they say about us. Because we don't freely give what we have freely received. And I, I'm calling us to that today. I'm calling us to let this be our model. The forgiven forgive. That's what we do. Yes, come on, let's give God praise. That's what we do. That is what we do. That's what Christ did for us, and that's what we're going to do for others. There's a scripture that for years has been used to preach about money and giving and generosity. And I'm going to share that scripture with you in just a moment, but I, I want you to know, first of all, that it doesn't have anything to do with, with money, really. It's actually more to do with how you treat others who have offended you and hurt you and let you down. And, and I want to show you something here that it blew my mind the first time I saw it, and I think it'll blow your mind too. In, in, in Luke chapter 6, he says that Jesus is talking here, and, and he says, oh, you don't like your enemies? You, you mad at some people? Oh, here's how you should respond. Love them. Do good to them. 
lend to them. You mean I got to lend to him? Yes, lend to him without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great. And I love this part. You'll be sons of the Most High. I want you to keep that in your memory bank for a second. You're going to be children of God when you act like this to other people. He says, because, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. God is. And, it, and he says, be merciful. So be merciful. Knowing all of that, be merciful just as, there's that word again, just as your father is merciful. And here's the next part where in the past we started talking about money. Do not judge and you won't be judged. Do not condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And here's where we started talking about money. Give and it will be given unto you. I said a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's fitting to be poured into your lap. Maybe you didn't go to a church like that. That's where I went to church, where they talked like that. For the measure you use will be used back to you, right? That's, that's the way, that's how I heard it growing up. This passage has nothing to do with money, and it has everything to do with sowing and reaping. It has everything to do with sowing and reaping. Jesus is reiterating this principle of sowing and reaping. And I just want to explain what good measure pressed down, shaken together kind of means. Follow me here. In those days, they would harvest the field. And harvesters, would, would, they wouldn't always get everything. Some of, their, some of what they harvested would fall to the ground. And so there were people who were called gleaners. They gleaned. And they would go behind the harvesters, and they picked up the leftovers for themselves to go home. It was what they ate on. It was their, it was their meal for the week, possibly. And so these people who were gleaning, they would gather a good measure. And then they would press it down, like you've done with a suitcase before. You know what I'm talking about? You, you press it down. You're trying to get, you've done it. And then they would go get some more. They would glean some more. And so they, they would get a good measure. They would press it down. They, they would go get some more, put it on top of that. They would shake it together. Have you ever shaken something to get the air out, get it to set right? Just get a little bit more inside of a jar of marbles or something like that. It, it, kind of that idea. He just shakes it together. And I'm going to go get some more now and, until it's running over. So, in this lesson, this lesson of sowing and reaping, Jesus says, you want to give judgment? Hey, give judgment. Just know that whatever you give, if it's judgment, it's going to come back to you a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over is going to be poured into your lap. Don't condemn. Oh, but if you do condemn, know this, that condemnation is going to come back to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's going to be poured into your lap. But I love how Jesus gives us good news. He says, but listen, if you forgive, oh, if you forgive, forgiveness is going to come back to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's going to be poured into your lap. And that, my church, friends, and family, is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's, he is going to forgive. 
And he has freely forgiven us, so now it is our response to freely forgive somebody else. Forgiveness is not just something that, that you say with your lips and, and that you, you say with your heart, but it's actually reflected in how you treat people from this point on. Your relationship with whoever hurts you may never be restored. You may never reconcile with them. It, it, you may never reunite, but you still have the power to bring their account balance to zero. You don't owe me. We're good. You don't owe me. There's nothing you, you have to do to, to settle up with me. And listen, it's the least we can do because it's been done to us. You have freely received, so now it's our time to freely give. And, and this kind of reminds me of a song that I, you, you know it, it's a hymn called Jesus Paid It All. And it says, I hear the Savior say Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness watch and pray Find in me Thine all in all Jesus paid it all All to Him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow it says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. What do I owe him? What do I owe Jesus? I thought we couldn't earn our salvation. I thought we couldn't earn his forgiveness. True. But for every action, I think there's an equal and opposite reaction. For what God did for you, I think there's a response back to him. And what we owe, <laughs> listen to me now. What we owe is this, to know, to believe. Let me say it this way. That it's contradictory. It is contrary to the love of Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ to freely forgive. To, to freely receive His forgiveness, but to not freely forgive somebody else. It's Complete opposite of the nature of Jesus Christ. That's what we owe him. We've received it. Now I'm going to give it. What we have freely received, we've got to freely give. And it's hard. I'm telling you, I know that it's difficult. I know that it's challenging. But if you will do it, your life will be changed. It will be different. And that's why I'm telling you, number three, you've got to go first. Come on, pastor. Are you serious right now? I've got to go first? Jesus didn't wait to see if you were going to respond before he gave his life. God, uh, before I give my life, Father, just check in 2019. If you can go that far in advance and just make sure the people there are going are gonna to receive me. Because, I mean, if they don't, I really don't know if it's worth it. He didn't do that. He went first 
Romans 5.8 says it this way, that he demonstrated his love for you in this, that while you were still sinning, while we were still jacked up, making dumb decisions and living life like we shouldn't, he died for us. While we were still sinners, he died for us. And I'm calling you to this place of faith. To, to trust God in this matter. And I want to give you a guarantee today. I want to guarantee you this, that the first to forgive are the happiest. <laughs> They're the happiest. How do, how do you know that, Ben? Because of what Matthew says in Matthew 5, 9. Jesus says, blessed, makarios, happy are the peacemakers. Why are they so happy? Because they're sons of God. Remember, Jesus said earlier that, that those who loved their enemies, prayed for them, did good to them, would be called, what, sons of the Most High. Children of God. Blessed. All this means, all this means is despite everything else that's going on in my life and everything that seems to be falling apart and all the hurt and all the pain, everything's good on the inside. Everything's, it's okay right here. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't have to be reunited with that person. I, I forgive them. Everything is okay on the inside. And peacemakers are those who, they know the peace of God, and now they do everything that they can to help somebody else have the peace of God in their life. And I know this is contradictory to what we grew up learning, that you need to hold a grudge, that you need to make them pay for what they did. It wasn't right. They need to pay for that. It was wrong. They wronged you. They hurt you. You need to cut them off. Don't ever talk to them again. You can't forgive them. The wound is too deep. That's what the world teaches us. It's the worldly wisdom. You can't forgive that person. You can't let that go. He stole all that from you. How, how can you just turn your back? How can you just let that go on? You can't do that. It's the world's wisdom. But James gives us a heavenly wisdom. In James 3, he says, The wisdom that comes from heaven is pure. It doesn't have an, an ill motive. The wisdom of God is peace-loving. It's considerate. It's submissive. It's submitting your right to be right. Submitting your right to hold that person responsible to pay for a wrong they could never repay. He says, it's full of mercy. It's full of good fruit. It's impartial. It's sincere. This is, this is the heavenly wisdom, and I love this. Peacemakers who sow in peace... Give and it will be given. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Peacemakers who sow in peace are going to have what? A harvest of righteousness. Peacemakers go first. We don't wait. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We don't wait for somebody to come begging our forgiveness. We go first and there may be a big part of you today saying man I can't I can't do this Ben you don't know what's happened to me you don't know the pain you don't know the hurt you don't know what they said you don't know what they did you haven't been in my shoes 
And I'm, I'm telling you, yes, we haven't. But if you told us today, we'd hurt with you. We would cry with you. We'd be angry with you. We would. We, we, would, we would try our best to feel your pain and to sympathize with you. But I'm telling you, the love of Christ leaves us no other option but to step out in faith when we don't feel it. And I'm not asking you to feel it today. I'm asking you to do it. Just do it. Forgive. Let go. There's no other way. And I have a feeling that Jesus didn't want to forgive. I'm, I'm sorry, I have a feeling that Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he begged his father, Father, let this cup pass from me. Don't make me go to the cross. I don't feel like doing it, God. But not my will. Your will be done. I'll do it if that's what it takes. Your decision to forgive today may not make your situation any better, but it'll make you better. And if you don't get better, you will get bitter. I'm just, I'm just asking you today. I mean, I have a burden for you, and I have a burden for this church and for us as a body of Christ to just get past the past, to settle the yesterdays, to move forward looking and a bright future of what God wants to do, not being tied down to what happened in the past, not holding on to regrets, not holding on to guilts and shames, not holding on to unforgiveness and trying to make somebody else pay for their wrong. You have to choose today. I'm asking you, don't just feel it, just do it. And here's why, because choices lead and feelings follow. You may not feel like doing it today. And what difference will it make, Ben, if I decide to forgive? What difference is it going to make? Hey, your feelings will come. The feelings will follow. You've got to decide, make a decision today. So here's what I want to do. Normally, this is the part of the service where I say, bow your heads and close your eyes. But I don't want you to bow your heads yet. And I don't want you to close your eyes. But I want to ask you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he whispering to you? And maybe there's somebody in your life that you, you need to forgive. Somebody who you said, I don't care anymore. Only to find out you do care. It still matters to you. So I want the Holy Spirit to just whisper to you, to speak to you. Who is that person? On our very first Sunday... I talked a little bit about goals and, and dreams, and, and I, I said that I have this goal to work out three days a week, and I kind of use that to show the difference between a goal and a dream. Well, when I said in front of 639 people, I want my goal is to work out three days a week, guess what that did? It held me accountable, <laughs> because now 639 people heard me say, I want to work out three days a week. I don't always do it. I mean, I hope you can see. I, I'm trying. I see some of y'all there. But listen, I'm going to ask you to just hold yourself accountable. To whoever you need to forgive, 
in just a moment, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand in front of God and everybody here today. We're going to leave this place different than we came in. I don't need to know who that is. Maybe it's between you and the Lord. Maybe you just need to forgive yourself. But whoever it is that you have been trying to make them pay for what they did, I'm asking you to bring their account balance to zero in your life today. And if you're ready to give up your right to be right, and you're ready to, to, to say, you don't owe me anything, I forgive you, it's, it's okay, it's, it's done. God, I'm, I'm freely giving you what I have freely received, which is forgiveness. If you're ready today to forgive somebody, I don't need to know who it is. If that's you, just lift up your hand. Just lift up your hand right now. Thank you. God bless you. I'm so proud of you. Come on, church. Let's give them a, a hand today. We're proud of you today. Proud of you. So here's, here's, the, here's the next step. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Now you can bow them. And maybe you're here today and you say, Ben, I, I have never received the love of Jesus. I've never received the forgiveness of God. And I, I'm ready for that today. I'm, I've got so much going on inside of me. There's hurts and there's pains and there's hatred and there's hostility. And there's false belief. There's walls built up and distance. I've just been escalating out of control. If you're ready today to give your life to Jesus to surrender control and say, not my will, not my way. I freely receive you today, Jesus. If you're ready for that, I want you to lift up your hand. Just, just me and you looking around. Just me and you. God bless you. Hands are up all over the place. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And say this prayer with me today. Say, Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I receive what you've done. I receive your forgiveness. Will you cleanse me? Will you wash me? Make me new. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. Today, I'm a new person. I belong to you. From this day forward, I'll live my life for you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, come on, let's give God thanks today for, his, for Him saving us, for redeeming us and setting us free. Hey, hands were up all over this place. And here's what I know. Man, the Holy Spirit is here, and He wants to move in our hearts and our lives. And as we close out with, with offering in just a moment, at the end of the service, our prayer team is going to be here at the front. And I, I just want you to know that by you coming up here for prayer, First of all, it doesn't mean your life's falling apart. Like, you don't need to think, man, they're going to think I've got issues if I go front for prayer. But here's the good news. We've all got issues. We settled that. We, we all need prayer. doesn't mean, like, you're some sort of bad person if you need somebody to pray for you. I need prayer. We need prayer. And if there's anything in your life today, you say, man, I, I just want to pray with somebody about this. They're going to be here at the front. And they do that every weekend. I just want you to know nothing weird is going to happen. They're just going to pray for you. That's it. And then if you did make a decision today, whether you raised your hand or not, we want to help you with some next steps. I know it's like you might wonder, like, what, what do I do from here? What, I mean, what happened? I don't feel any different. Like, what's, what, what do I do? 
We want to help you with that. One of the things you can do is be water baptized. We do that on the first Sunday of every month. If you don't have a Bible, those are free right out in the lobby. Grab one. We've got those for you. Small groups are coming up in two weeks, guys. Get in a group. Get, get around the right people because I'm convinced that it's the right relationships that will change a lot of what you're facing in your life. So you can do those things. But as we get ready to give, uh, I just want you to, to know we, we want to help you with those next steps. You can mark it on a connection card that you gave your life to Christ or you recommitted and you can, you can put that in the offering container as it passes. And as our ushers get ready to serve you today, I want to celebrate what your giving and generosity has been able to do uh, this week. Um, I'm so pumped about this. In January of 2020, there's a new church launching in Puerto Rico called Arise Church. Uh, Pastor Juan uh, Rodriguez is, is planting that church, moving from uh, the United States to Puerto Rico to plant a church like this one there. And this week, City Hope was able to sow $2,000 into Arise Church in Puerto Rico to help them get ready for their new church. So whenever you give, I just want you to know that it, it doesn't just stay here. It doesn't just go to equipment or whatever. It's going to make a difference in, in our city and around the world. So as we get ready to give today, let me bless you. Lord, I thank you that we are blessed to be a blessing. And the, the same principle that applies to uh, sowing and reaping and, and forgiveness and judgment and condemnation, it does apply also in every area of our lives. It's a timeless principle. And we thank you that when we give, you, you are faithful with that, Lord. And we don't give to get. We don't give to receive. We give in obedience. And we ask you to bless it and let it make a difference in our city, in Puerto Rico, in Cuba, in Uganda, the different places that we support. Let it make a difference there. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.